might be a Viking or a Saxon or a Roman, but tell me, do you like them? Would you sex them? Would you bone them? Would you go to bed with King Ethelred? Would you bunk William the Conqueror up in the sheets with Samuel Pepys? Mussolini was a meanie, led a fascist insurrection, but does he make you creamy? Does he give you an erection? Would you pork Richard the Duke of York? Does a boner start when you think of Bonaparte? Are you sexually aroused at the thought of Pol Pot? Historical hot or not? Hello and welcome to Historical Hot or Not, the only history podcast that looks at the life and times of history's most celebrated figures and asks yes, but would you? This is a bonus bang episode, an addendum to our regular filth, an epilogue to our usual muck, an add-on to our normal ramblings on. Less comprehensive, but equally as, if not hornier, we here look at interesting historical artefacts, and as with the main episodes, decide if we'd have sex with them. Previous bonus bangs have covered artworks such as the Mona Lisa and the Vitruvian Man, fictional characters such as Miss Havisham, and tablecloths such as the Turin Shroud. I am Ada McCaffrey. I am not a historian, and I could not do this without my co-host... Catherine Mather. I'm also not a historian, but we are comedians, uh, and we are horny. And I feel like that makes us more qualified uh, than anybody else to to be undertaking this uh, this task for the people. AJP Taylor, David Starkey, you may have references, you may have footnotes, you may have an impressive bibliography, but are you horny for Catherine of Aragon? No, get out, there's some new kids on the block. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, BBC, we'll do that documentary. Hey, BBC, what's that? You want someone who can connect to the kids? Well, how about a guy rapidly approaching 40? <laughs> And his friend who has just turned 30. That's what you want, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Never, ever been able to uh, connect with anyone, let alone children. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly who you don't want to connect with, Kath. Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah, certainly. I'm, an, I'm very much an adult now. Kath, in a previous episode, mm-hmm. you were talking about the Mona Lisa. You were trying to get me to have sex with the Mona Lisa, and you succeeded. Mm-hmm. Now, we recorded this in, like, June or July. And you were talking about a climate protest where someone shook paint at um, the Mona Lisa or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, actually, since then, there's been loads more paint-related attacks on paintings, haven't they? And they're quite mm-hmm. div- divisive. Now, as far as I know, often when people shook paint at these things, it doesn't actually damage the painting because they're often covered with glass or something, right? Yeah. So everyone makes a big fuss about it, but they're, they're actually fine. And a lot of attention is drawn to the right, righteous cause of the person that threw them. So they're, they're kind of all right, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if people are talking about it. Because like, I don't think that you should ruin uh, historical artefacts because the, there is literally only one of them. So it, it feels bad to do that. But as you say, if it's covered with glass and uh, there's literally... I mean, scientists could not be clearer that if we continue as we go on, like we've we've already fucked the world and now we're just doing damage control. And if the only way that you can get anybody to talk about that is by throwing custard at the Mona Lisa, then sure, <laughs> do it. When people are living in a Mad Max style uh, post-apocalypse where the most mm-hmm. valuable resource is oil, I don't think they're going to turn to each other and say, you know what? At least the Mona Lisa's still hanging. Yeah. <laughs> At least the Mona Lisa doesn't have a bit of gloss on her. I, I don't think they're well, going to say that. No, no, as you're all fighting for that last can of food. 
Cass, would you like to open your e-trothed app? Because I am about to send you a photo. Ooh, of my potential suitor. Uh, currently, it's a picture of you <laughs> on the recording. I think in the previous episode, I had dropped out of the recording. And I'll be honest, you look furious, Ed. And, and no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, Kath and I had a mini spat because we accused each other of, of having dropped out of the recording. But uh, but it turned out I won. I was the one who hadn't dropped out. Yeah, yeah you were correct. I'm going to send you a photo and you can tell me, would you have sex with this? Sending you their profile picture now. Wow, so that's five women. It's five women. Would I have sex with five women? Yes, yes, I would. <laughs> um, next question. Are they all They all look like different people. Are they meant to be the same person? They are five different women. Okay, because I would say that I I would definitely have the three of them. Can I guess which the three are? Yeah, yeah, go on. And just to, just you can play along with this at home. All the pictures that we talk about, they're in the notes of the podcast in question. Are there three you'd have sex with? Top left? Yep. Top right? No. Ah! Oh, you see, I think top right's the hottest. Really? She's got a weirdly proportioned face. <laughs> oh yeah, it's mental. <laughs> She's got a massive forehead, huge eyes, and like... Her mouth is where a man's moustache would be. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like an inch and a half too high. But those eyes, yes, please. Are the other two bottom, middle and bottom right? Yeah. Yes, so there, their photo. There is the operative word. This is not one person, not two, not three, not four, but five. Kath, these are the ladies and loves of Lord Byron. Oh, my God. This is a sequel episode. You decided eight episodes ago that you would bang Byron, but would you bang his conquests? That's the question we're asking on this bonus band. Well, we really have done Lord Byron and uh, his posse, haven't we? Because we did the Mary Shelley episodes as well. Fuck, we did! <laughs> I forgot about the Mary Shelley episode. Yeah, good God, do, will we leave knowing these people? We should just rename this the Lord Byron and Company Appreciation Podcast. Mm-hmm. Kath, I was going to call this episode Byron's Babes. I love it. But I wasn't sure if that was too misogynistic, so I've come up with some alternative titles that mm-hmm. I hope are less misogynistic. George's Bits on the Side. Yeah, unproblematic. Six Georgian Chicks and a Baron's Dick. Mm-hmm, perfect, yeah. Uh, 1800s Hoes. Yeah, I really like that one. Uh, the Poet's Pussy, that's pussy as a plural noun, not a singular noun. Yeah. Uh, Byron's Baby Mamas. Yeah, love it. The Thinking Man's Crumpets. Yeah, I really like that. I think we should go for that one. And my favourite, which I think is the least problematic, Some Sluts. Yes. Yeah, that one. one. Okay, we'll call it Some Sluts. (laughs) So, we've never done multiple people in one episode before. It's always just one person, will you bang them? Or one tablecloth with an image of Christ on, would you bang that? I think with this episode, with Byron's Babes, we should do a winner bangs all system. Mm. So you either take all of them or none. Okay. And So if there's some you find attractive, you've got to decide whether it's worth having sex with them to have access to the other women. This is basically the horny equivalent of first past the post. Lady Caroline Lamb. This is the top left image. Mm -hmm. According to Wikipedia... Caroline not only wrote prose and poetry, but also took to sketching portraiture. These courtly skills stood her in good stead. She spoke French and Italian fluently, was skilled in Greek and Latin, and also enjoyed music and drama. According to Lady Caroline Lamb, a biography by Palgrave Macmillan, as a young woman, her behaviour grew increasingly troublesome. To her family, she was experimenting with sedatives like laudanum and had a special governess to control her. Her most famous novel is a gothic novel called Glenarvan, she published it anonymously, but it was an open secret that it was by her because the characters were a thinly disguised version of her and Lord Byron, whose affair had scandalised 
high society. And it was also the first work to feature a bionic hero. Byron and Lady Caroline Lamb, they had a feud and it spilled over into their work. So according to Wikipedia, Lady Caroline was most concerned with those illusions Byron had made about her. For example, the line, some play the devil and then they write a novel. That's from Don Juan too. In a new canto, Lady Caroline retorted, as Byron, I'm sick of fame. I'm gorged with it. So full, I could, I almost could regret the happier hour when northern oracles proclaimed me dull. I quite like this. Um, you associate feuds with hip-hop and celebrity culture. This is like a literature feud from, from classic literature. It's a drive-by quilling. They're giving a mm. drive-by quilling to each other. It's great. Oh, I love it. It's like that remix of the Taylor Swift song about Jake Gyllenhaal, isn't it? <laughs> Ten minutes of her absolutely fucking taking that man <laughs> down. I haven't heard of this. Yeah. So she laid into Gyllenhaal? Yeah, yeah, so she went out with him and she did a song called All Too Well. And then she re-released it, a, a longer version. So it's about it's about her with Jake Gyllenhaal. I was a bit of a bastard. Um <laughs> During their relationship, and then he broke up with her because he said that she was too young. Uh, and there's this there's this line in it about how uh, basically he'd said that, but your lovers stay the same age. Um, <laughs> she tears him to pieces, and I am all over it. <laughs> I reckon you're only allowed to dump someone and say you're too young for me if you haven't had sex with them. If you have, mm-hmm. you're very much having your pussy and eating it. Do you know what I mean? You are. You yeah. can't have it both ways. Especially if you are one of these guys like uh, DiCaprio or Gyllenhaal, as she alleges, whose girlfriend's age are very much the uh, mosquito trapped in amber in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. You know, time moves on, but they stay the same. Yeah, just because you could. You do have to ask, should you? So, yay or nay, so far on Lady Caroline Lamb. Yeah, I'm in. I like her um, her spirit. I think uh, I like someone who does a feud in their work. Fuck it. Publicly out the cunt. Basically, as a a woman in that time, you were either, well, a baby-making machine and a pet, weren't you? So I frankly admire anyone who goes against that. What I like about her as well is, like, as we'll get into some of these other uh, women in his life, some of the women just are sadly just defined by the men because, you know, they they didn't have a function. Uh, other than how they're related to famous men. But Caroline Lamb's mm-hmm. actually, she was actually, didn't, I wasn't going to mention it. She was married to someone who became a prime minister, but actually okay. she does exist in her own right as someone who achieved things in literature, this gothic novel that yeah. she wrote. Yeah, so it's cool. She was achieving things well within her own right and then getting into pre-hip-hop spats with other famous people. Love it. Next, slut. Please. <laughs> Slot number two, Countess <laughs> Teresa Guccioli, top right in the montage. Mm. This is a this is a woman who is largely defined by the men in her life. Her husband, oh. Alessandro, was a ruthless and opportunistic nobleman. Her father was an Italian nationalist. Uh, she inspired a minor character in Alexander Damas's novel, The Count of Monte Cristo, disguised as Countess G. May have mentioned that in the Byron episode, actually. Despite the fact that she sort of didn't have a, a lot professionally in her own realm, she did influence, have a big influence over Byron himself. She convinced him to join a secret pseudo-Masonic society dedicated to driving out Austrian political influence from Italy. And when she left Byron 
to return to her husband. This precipitated Byron's decision to fight on the Greek side in the Greek War of Independence, which, listeners, I'm sure you, you will remember from the Byron episode, is why Byron's regarded as like a big hero out there. However, I think that that slightly takes away from all that noble fighting, doesn't it? Imagine fighting a war and the way you picked which side you were on was which side is my ex not on? <laughs> That's the side I'm going to be on. Like, imagine if <laughs> World War II you were like, well, I would fight against the Nazis for England, but my ex was from Romford, so mm. sorry, I'm going to have to join the Axis powers. Yeah, hail Hitler, I guess. <laughs> um, but then that has to have informed so many decisions, so many more decisions than they we're willing to accept. <laughs> well, do you reckon like every war in history would have gone uh, in a different direction? if there wasn't aggrieved ex-lovers like going, honestly, the only reason I'm fighting on this side was to put a bit of distance between uh, me and the missus. Yeah, if we weren't all thinking with our pussies, <laughs> uh, things would be a lot different. And one final fact about Countess Guccioli. In a letter, Byron wrote that she mailed him some of her pubic hair, which was a traditional Italian gesture that indicated her willingness to begin an affair. Now... What I like about this fact is you couldn't do that these days, Kath, because no one has pubic hair anymore. And maybe this is why people have less affairs now, because they can't <laughs> send their bush to a potential lover, because they haven't got any. Or maybe they sent it all. Well, that's what you should do. If you're just shaving your pubic hair for purely fashion reasons, because it's the modern trend, that's fine. But keep it in an envelope, just in case you decide, I want to have an affair otherwise there is literally no other way you'll be able to communicate that fact to that person. It's like when I first moved to London for uni, my best friend would just send me letters and periodically one of those letters would have glitter in it and I'd open it <laughs> in the house and there'd just be glitter everywhere for about two months. And I feel it'd be like that, sort of like that, but it's the strangest pubes. Imagine <laughs> opening that in a share house. Be like, whose pubes are these? I honestly don't know. I wish I could tell you. Receiving a letter full of glitter is how a clown tells you that they want to have an affair with you. Did you not know mm. that? <laughs> Kath, would you have sex with the Countess of Teresa Guccioli top right in the image? The pubic hair shaver, Countess G. From a, an aesthetic point, it was no. And I don't feel like I know enough about her to change that to a yes. So no, but I would if it meant I could get to the other three. <laughs> we're one down, we're one up. Let's see where this yeah. goes. And also, for the record, it's not like if you say two out of five, that means no to all of them. You then have to decide, is it worth getting to the two to have sex with the three I don't want to have sex with? That's the game. Yeah, of course. Augusta Maria Lay, bottom left in these photos. Married a cousin, the marriage was shit. Mm. Uh, husband, cousin, gambled their money and left her alone to bring up the kids and left her with his debt. She was Lord Byron's half-sister and in the midst of their affair, she had a baby who in writing Byron appears to have taken responsibility for. This is his half-sister, Byron's half-sister, who he banned. Now, we mm. might frown on marrying a cousin, but considering that she had an affair with a half-brother, I reckon banging your cousin's a step in the right direction. It is, yeah. It's slightly further away, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like... Banging your aunt isn't good, but if the last person you banged was your mum, it's progress. You're taking it a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. I guess it depends in what way they were half-siblings. Like, was it that they were born of two entirely different sets of parents and then brought together in adulthood? Because, sure, that that's one thing. Or is it like they both had the same dad and were brought up as from childhood, in which case that's weird. You've hit the nail on the head. 
Augusta Marie Lee and Lord Byron had the same dad and they were raised separately and then brought together. So, yeah, oh. this is what you were saying in the in the previous podcast was that if you arrange them to be married very early on and then have them live together, even though they're not brother and sister, they grow up with that familiarity, which then makes mm-hmm. them marriage like sexless and loveless. Um, yeah. Whereas these two had the opposite problem. They were very separately and then they were brought together. So to them, it was just, they were just two attractive people. Yeah. But that is a thing, isn't it? Like adoptive families, um, the sexual attraction. It is a, a thing where I guess, you know, like a, a mother and a son meeting. So the son was adopted at birth. There are cases of them being sexually attracted and it's not that they've fallen in love it's just that if you had your baby son you might breastfeed it you know you you would breastfeed him you would snuggle him you would love him you would kiss him and the son would suck on mama's titties and uh, (laughs) when you come together it's just trying to find that closeness only you're just two adults I mean that must be a weird thing to feel yeah I guess perhaps maybe they had a bit of that going on or maybe I don't know they just like banging it's impossible to say. But then, as you said in the previous recorded episode, Kath, a dick's a dick, so who cares if it's your sibling? Dick is a dick. And I can't imagine that you've got a plethora of dick in uh, in that time period. I yeah. think you would probably just get what you can get, right? So, Kath, on the subject, uh, what's the furthest base that you've gone with your sister? Uh, oh, all the way. Um, <laughs> no, no, I've not. <laughs> I have not touched my sister. Well, you say that, but... Presumably when you were both kids and stuff, you will have kissed her on the lips as an affectionate thing, right? Yeah, I guess so. So you've technically got to first base with your sister and you can't deny it. Oh, don't put it like that, though. I am I putting don't... it like that. Oh, okay. Well, what what's the furthest base you've got to with your brothers? Uh, all, all sex. I think that's third base. Okay. It's Look, it's a Catholic family. We're very mm-hmm. repressed. Sometimes these feelings just explode and a dick's oh. a dick. Oh, Eden, no. <laughs> right, Kath, would you have sex with Augusta Maria Lee? She is bottom left in these photos. Okay, the lady with the long face. I'll be honest, it's just I'm not finding all the incest in, in endearing. <laughs> As you say, you, you introduce later in life to someone who you don't realise is, is your biological half-brother. I don't think that's what happened with them. I think they knew. That's a situation where you can understand it. She's already she's married a cousin and she's banging a half-brother. Come on, Augusta. Come on. You're a woman of good repute from a good family who, I don't know, at the time was probably considered to be very attractive. You can afford to bang someone outside your gene pool. Come on, love. Yeah, that can't be the only people on offer. Your kink cannot be 50% shared DNA. Come on. Please. Historical hot or not. You're only in for one and down two so far. Currently. Lady Byron, bottom right. She was a gifted child. She was especially interested in maths, which led her to be nicknamed by her husband, the Princess of Parallelograms. Kath, I've, nick- I've decided to give you some nicknames. You're the First Lady of Filth, mm-hmm. the Baroness of the Bawdy, mm. and the Countess of Cockjokes. You cool? Yeah. You happy with them? Good. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Baroness of Ballsacks, but sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that works a lot better. <laughs> Lady Byron, a.k.a. Annabella, developed into a stiff religious woman with strict moral codes. She was a devout religious woman. I'm getting all this from Wikipedia, I think. She was a devout religious woman who seemed at odds with Byron's loose lifestyle. It was her religious obligation to support him and improve her behaviour, improve his behaviour. She was a fixer. She wanted to fix him. Mm-hmm. So I find that a bit annoying. But she was committed to social causes, such as prison reform, the abolition of slavery, 
And in furtherance of that, she attended the 1840 World Anti-Slavery Convention, where she was one of the few women included in its commemorative painting. She established Mm. Ealing Grove School in 1833. And the best fact yet, their daughter Ada worked as a mathematician with Charles Babbage, the pioneer of computer science. Lady Byron had felt that an education in mathematics and logic would counteract any possible inherited tendency toward Lord Byron's perceived insanity and romantic excess. So what I like about this is some real good came out of Byron's dicking around. Mm. One minute he's chucking his seat up a baroness. The next minute I'm releasing a podcast about whether I would have sex with that baroness and I'm releasing Mm. it on a medium that wouldn't have existed if Byron in the first place hadn't chucked his seed up that baroness. There's a real circularity to this that I really like. It is. It's truly beautiful. And um, I think that I'd like to give her the opportunity to get get her own back on him, you know? Well, in a way, though, I think he's got his own back on her because most people use the internet for pornography. Mm -hmm. So in raising this mathematical daughter who helped invent computer science... It's really backfired because <laughs> mm. now everyone's just using the thing that she helped invent to uh, wank themselves to death. Yeah, I know that that's uh, certainly what I use it for. <laughs> You're almost there, Kath. I'm still in with uh, Lady Lady Byron. Fuck it, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I am as well. I mean, if she's just got a strict moralist, I might find that annoying, but I can't help but admire. She's, she is trying to put good things in the world. She's trying to stop slavery. She's trying mm-hmm. to raise uh, an intelligent, independent woman who ends up revolutionizing, revolutionizing the world. That's all good stuff. Two for two. Ah, you, Kath, you've played yeah. this perfectly tension-wise. Two yeses, two noes. The last one, and this is the bottom middle, and this is Jane Harley, the Countess of Oxford and the Countess Marmer. Uh, she was an English noblewoman known as the patron of the reform movement and a lover of Lord Byron. Again, sadly, another one for whom we don't know too much. Her marriage was not a love match, and a large number of her children were known as the Harley and Miscellany due to uncertainties over whether... Her husband was the father, but despite this, the marriage didn't break up. Even in the easygoing world of the Regency aristocracy, her affairs were considered to have put her beyond the pale. She frequently took lovers from the pro-reform party during her marriage, firstly Francis Burdett, and then notably Lord Byron. Um, That's a shame that she's defined by the men in her life, but also good on her, because again, she's been kept as a pet, hasn't she? She's got yeah. nothing, so... If you can't fuck around, like, what else are you going to do? Good for her. Yeah, no, I kind of admire that. Um, I will say, I think Byron's got quite good taste in women, do you know what I mean? Mm, Like, he seems to have been with several women who, in their own right, uh, were creating interesting professional legacies. Mm -hmm. I like that. But then there were obviously a couple in there who, you know, were just noble women who perhaps didn't do much. Mm -hmm. So, Kath, would Mm -hmm. you... Bang. Jane Harley, the Countess of Oxford and the Countess Marmer. Yeah, yeah, I would. And is it worth having sex with the two you said no to to have sex with the three you said yes to? Are you going to bang all of Byron's babes? Yeah, 100%. Why not? Let's do it. At the same time? Yeah, get it over with. I reckon that could be a lovely afternoon. <laughs> all six of us, get our dominoes in. Be great. <laughs> I'm going to have sex with them, but not at the same time, because um, just more of a stamina issue. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. M- women can have multiple orgasms. You could make a day of it. I'm going to make five days of it. Okay. Yeah, sure. A working week. Why not? And I'm going to start with the ones I'm least attracted to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with his half-sister. If I do her first and I'm backed up, that gets that over and done with quicker. And then mm-hmm. I can 
by the end of it, I'll save the best one, Countess Guccioli, to last. And mm-hmm. I'll last longer because I'll be more spent. That's the logic I'm going to approach this uh, gangbang with. Perfect. Well, good for you, Eden. Let's get it arranged. That is the end of this bonus bang. There will be one final bonus bang next week, which we already have recorded. After that, a Christmas special, which we've just recorded. Mm. And there might even be a bonus bang Christmas special. So you might effectively be getting two Christmas episodes, from what I understand. Rock and roll, baby. Continue to tell everyone about us. Share our video promos that we do for each episode on Instagram and TikTok. Share them to your stories. Retweet our tweets. And just tell your friends, guys, there's a brilliant new podcast. It's got knob gags, but you also learn something about history. What more could you want from a podcast? Well, quite. We also have promotional condoms. Uh, send us a couple of quid and we'll post you one of those if you want. Um, Aidan's got a cat, which he seems more interested in than finishing this episode. So I guess we'll just wait until he's finished petting his goddamn cat. The problem is, if I don't pet the cat, she interrupts the podcast by whinging. She has done that a lot. I've got to, like, sit here like a Bond villain, stroking it while doing the podcast. Or or that's it. I've got no other option here. I mean, I have no proof that there is a cat there. I only have proof that there is a tail just <laughs> flicking across the screen. I like the idea that I've just got, like, a, a stick with a tail. I'm just doing that to create the illusion <laughs> that I actually have a cat here. Yes. It's actually his wife clawing on the door to get him. <laughs> or out. No, she's very much kept locked in the basement. All right, then. Well, um, spread the word. Spread your legs. Uh, and remember, it's, uh, it's not what's on the outside. It's on the inside of the coffin that counts. See you next week, everyone. Stay horny. You have been listening to Historical Hot or Not. If you'd like to contribute, we would fucking love that. So you can find us, we're at Coffee. Buy us a coffee. Uh, don't send it to us personally. It'll be cold by then. Uh, but it's co-b.com forward slash hot nut pod. Uh, send us some coffee, not real coffee. Send us the money for coffee. Episodes written by Aidan McCaffrey and Catherine Nather. Our wonderful logo is by Richard Todd. And all music by David Eagle.